All right, what's going on, guys? Welcome to episode 10 of Necessary Evil. Being a liberal does not make you a good person. End of episode. Welcome to episode 11 of Necessary Evil. Unfortunately, this will be the last episode for probably a couple of years. All right, I told you I'm in anesthesia school at ECU right now. I'm also working full-time, so my schedule's pretty slammed. So despite the constant barrage of Snapchat abuse from a Danny Willis... I'm going to be putting the podcast on the back burner for a little bit. But before then, I want to firebomb some libertarianism at your smug faces and let it fester on your commie brains till I'm done with school and can get back to my true calling, which is radicalizing the youth. And speaking of school, uh, I've been able to cover <clears throat> the, uh, I have not been able to cover the student loan crisis at all. So what a perfect segue. So I had a plan for how I was going to pay for school, but I wanted to just try out this whole FAFSA thing, see what I could get. Mind you, I have been working full-time for three years. I have no dependents. I'm not at a particularly expensive school. Okay. Damn fool sent me 18 grand. I filled out like six minutes of paperwork, some BS financial literacy course, and that was it. My tuition this semester was five grand. Okay, I am still working full-time. You do the math. So, I mean, immediately I'm thinking, wow, man, how big of a scumbag would I have to be? How useless and entitled would I have to be to treat this loan that I just received as a gift? And then slander anyone who points out that, uh, hey, man, you know you got to pay that back, right? Okay, I got a loan, not a gift. I know what I am signing if I decide to go this route. I am voluntarily putting myself into debt. Taxpayers are paying my way through school, and it is only right that I pay them back directly. Okay, now I understand that the tuition prices have gotten out of control as of late. So let's talk about why that is. Because you used to be able to pay for, you know, a year of in-state public uh, university with just a summer job's wages. You know, that's probably what your parents did. But now you got schools ramping up to, you know, 15, 20, 30 grand a year in tuition. And why would that be? Would anybody like to take a guess? Well, here, I'll give you a hint. It is because of the antithesis to freedom. The satanic cult who possesses a monopoly on violence and aggression the gang of pocket protector-wearing poindexters, okay, who couldn't make it in the, in the private sector, so instead chose to leech off the public for their entire careers while enriching themselves and indeed never producing a solitary ounce of wealth since their inception. Yes, of course, I'm speaking of the government. <clears throat> Every single time the government gets involved in an industry, quality goes up and price, quality goes down, excuse me, and price goes up. Right? One of my favorite charts ever is this affordability chart published by the Bureau of Labor Statistics in uh, 2018. I'm looking at it right here. It compares the U.S. dollar to the price of common goods and services over the course of the last 20 years, adjusted for an average interest ra or, uh, inflation rate of just under 3%. And surprise, surprise, everything controlled by the free market becomes more affordable, and every, everything controlled by the government becomes less affordable. So products like cell phones, clothes, televisions, cars, uh, software, microwaves, that kind of stuff, all became significantly more affordable for working class families, and, and quality also went up as well. And products like college tuition, healthcare services, housing, childcare, all became less affordable compared to the dollar. 
All right. Now, why is that? Why has the government's involvement in college loans caused such an astronomical increase in the price of tuition? All right, Dinesh D'Souza is one of my top three writers and commentators today. If you haven't heard him or, or seen his films uh, before, please check him out. He, he, um, I mean, he's one of my favorites. He's truly radicalized me, if I'm being honest. But um, he uses a great example for this, and it's that imagine you're going grocery shopping, and you've got $50 of your own money that you can spend. You made this $50. You've budgeted it out. That's what you can afford to spend this week on groceries. All right, you're going to maybe get one carton of milk, one loaf of bread, one pack of chicken breasts, only the necessities, right? But not only that, you're also going to pick the brand for each of these products that offers the best value as far as price and quality that your lifestyle affords, right? So those brands have to compete for your business by dropping prices, by improving quality, and maybe making positive social impacts if you're into that kind of thing, right? And so now imagine that you go grocery shopping with somebody else's money, right? Somebody else gives you a blank check to get whatever you want with the sort of, you know, half-assed agreement that you'll just pay them back eventually, right? So now, since I'm not paying, well, hell, I'm getting four or five cartons of milk. I'm getting the organic fruits and vegetables too, right? And a filet from the back, directly from the chef, okay? What do I care? I'm not the one paying. And worse than that, the guy paying isn't even using his money. He extorted this money from hardworking people And whoever did not pay him, he sent men with guns to their house, threw them in a cage, and seized all of their assets. That is the government. That is government compulsion 101 right there. All right? But I'm not done. All right? Because the grocery store manager starts seeing this buying frenzy and says, huh, they don't seem to care too much about their budget. Wonder what happens if I raise the price of milk from $2 a gallon to, say, now $12, $15, $20. Right? I certainly don't care because not my money. Right? The person paying, the government, doesn't care because it's not their money. Right? It's all an elaborate scheme to rip off the taxpayer. Right? I get free groceries. The grocery store manager gets rich. He's happy. Uh, the government has a never-ending supply of money. Right? So everybody's happy except for the taxpayer. So the government guarantees these college loans for kids to go learn about queer atheist finger painters for four years. The kids don't, they, they don't care how much debt they're going into because, let's be honest, they have no conception of budgeting in the first place. So the universities start thinking like, huh, well, wonder what happens here if I raise the tuition from eight grand to 20 grand or 30 grand or 40, right? The government's paying, why do I care? And the government says, well, hell, it's not my money. Why do I care? I'll just go rob them some more. I'll just raise the tax rates, Right? They asked me like 10 questions before wiring me $18,000, okay? And there you have it. That's the student loan crisis in a nutshell. So the solution, here's a shocker for you, less government. Let the private lenders come in and say, hey, kid, let me see your transcript. Let me see your five and 10-year plans, three or four contingency plans, and I'll decide if you are worth this loan that you think you need. And guess what? Some kids are going to get their feelings hurt when they realize they're not going to be a gender studies reporter for the New York Times, okay? But it's better get your feelings hurt now before you saddle yourself with six figures in government debt that you have absolutely zero chance of paying off, okay? So it actually is compassionate in the long run. 
So this just really strikes to the core of libertarians' problems with, with the idea of free college and, and really just with society today is the erosion of all personal responsibility and why we have such a massive issue with organizations like Black Lives Matter. Now, I have told you in the last episode, but just so there's not an ounce of confusion here, okay, I categorically denounce and refuse to support the organization Black Lives Matter, who are led by avowed and overt Marxists who have in their official charter their goal of dismantling the Western-prescribed nuclear family, which is the last line of defense against tyrannical government, and who are infected to their core by this collectivist and tribalist notion that white people and capitalism are the root of all evil, and that a person's immutable characteristics like race and gender hold more value than that individual's character and actions. Okay, I am for merit, not diversity. I want to make that crystal clear. So don't you let these white, harpy, pixie dust smoking cat moms out there convince you for one second that supporting Black Lives Matter, the organization, is a prerequisite for not being a racist. I despise racism. Okay, as a libertarian, as an individualist, grouping people together by race is in direct conflict with my ideology. Okay, I treat people as individuals, not as a member of a group. And you would do well to follow suit. So, all you harpy, pixie dust smoking cat moms out there, listening on the way to your palm reading appointment with a carload full of essential oils and dream catchers who want to call me a racist, to you I say, kick rocks. Now, that being said, to my Black Lives Matter supporters out there, I hold absolutely no ill will towards you whatsoever. In fact, it is my hope that after listening to your grievances, many of which I find extremely legitimate and even similar to my own, I can help show you that your enemy is not the white man. Your enemy is the state. The state has been your worst friend and your biggest vocal supporter all in one. Okay, the state is the one who helped facilitate the redlining that created these impoverished urban neighborhoods and quashed any hope of passing down intergenerational wealth. The state is the one who banned you from voting until the 60s. Okay, The state is the one who created the great society in which single black mothers were sent checks from the federal government, effectively dismantling the nuclear family and creating the change in single, black, single parent black homes from 20% to 75% over a 50 year span all while expanding the war on drugs after injecting cocaine into urban neighborhoods via the CIA, and that is not speculation or a wild conspiracy theory. I will not argue that whatsoever, okay, to take away even more black fathers. So the state has been your enemy, and now the state has, is telling you that if only they had a little bit more power, they could fix everything, all right? You want to end qualified immunity so that bad cops, which, by the way, for all you right-wingers out there, the cops are the violent enforcement wing of the government, okay? You want to end qualified immunity so that bad cops actually get punished? Awesome. So do we. You want to end the drug war and free nonviolent drug users and sellers? Awesome. So do we. Okay? You want to decrease federal law enforcement's power? Who, in case you didn't know, gave a SWAT team to the Department of Education? Something Joseph Stalin and Adolf Hitler could only dream about? You want to decrease federal law enforcement's power? Incredible. So do we. Okay? You want to end civil asset forfeiture? Absolutely. Same here, brother. Okay? We have a lot more in common here than the media would have you believe. 
And remember, I am on the far right. So I'll even argue that getting rid of the Federal Reserve, massively scaling back the welfare state, which de-incentivizes work and family creation, ending these terrible unconstitutional wars where thousands of lower and middle class kids are getting blown up so that we can control the global oil market, and getting the government out of healthcare and education are also things that would create immediate and direct positive change in these black communities. All right, I'm telling you straight up, as a white guy, we're not just sitting around plotting and scheming about how we can keep the black community down and steal all their labor for free, okay? I, I know you know that, but don't act like BLM and the most vocal advocates in the media right now are not grouping white people together as one entity and naming them as the root of everyone's problems. Okay, it is completely socially acceptable to openly ridicule white culture, to generalize the white race as oppressors, and to straight up discriminate for hiring or admission based upon race. Okay, if you can't see that, then, then you're, you're just not paying attention. Okay, we're not having a discussion on something that is indisputable. Okay, so I'm telling you, your enemy is not the white man. Your enemy is the same as mine, the damn government. Okay, and I get why that's confusing. All right, because let's be honest, the whites have not exactly been the most well-behaved throughout history. All right, but the idea now is that history can be boiled down to a single summation, which is which is that white people. This is this is their idea right now. Uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson actually actually tweeted this out. He said that you could summarize history with one sentence: "It's that white people stole land that wasn't theirs and killed everyone in their way." All right, and listen, I'll be honest with you. Not too far off, okay? So <laughs> the only way to make it completely accurate is to erase the white part, right? Because that's what every culture did. The Egyptians owned slaves and massacred people. The Chinese owned slaves and massacred people. The Ottoman Empire absolutely owned slaves and massacred people. Uh, I, can, I can go on all day, right? History is wrought with violence. And listen, I'll be the first to admit the majority of it was perpetrated by the whites, but let's, for a second, let's just dive back a couple hundred years. Let's put ourselves in the shoes of, say, Christopher Columbus, just for a minute here, because he's been arguably the biggest figure here to get his statue toppled uh, in these downtown neighborhoods. And I gotta say, man, it is getting under my skin for the last damn time. So I know it's hard for you to empathize with a man who sailed across the ocean with absolutely no destination in sight, with the hopes of finding the edge of the world. Right? I know it's hard for you to relate, seeing as though you run a 12-minute mile and you just knocked out a bag of Doritos for a mid-afternoon snack in your air-conditioned apartment that your daddy paid for with your clean running water and fully stocked refrigerator. But let's just try for a second. Right? So somehow, you work up the courage to volunteer for this damn suicide mission. Let's call it what it is. Again, this is hypothetical because... No way in hell that you Call of Duty playing chicken shit assholes are brave enough to sign up for this. But hypothetically, you sail across the ocean, right? Takes you, what, three, four months to even see land? You've lost half your crew to freaking scurvy. And top it off, you lost a couple inches on the old waistline there, brother. You're a little hungry if you know what I'm saying. Hello? What do you want me to do? Bust a U-turn and head back? All right? Sorry, buddy. I need some chicken. And I'll lean to so I can dry off my trench foot before it rots all the way up to my shins 
and I gotta chug a half gallon of rum and bite down on a wooden spoon while my buddy whacks off my leg with an axe. All right, so no, I'm not turning around. And damn it, I'm hungry. And I'm gonna kill you if it means I survive, right? Now, I'm not justifying anything that may or may not have happened. But the idea that he just killed everyone because they were brown is ridiculous. All, right? All of human history involves land being seized by other tribes and then the losing side being subjugated or murdered. And that sucks. Right? It really does. But it's a lot easier in 2020 to say, right, in 2020 in your cushy little apartment sucking down kale and pineapple smoothies... It's a lot easier to say that you would have never done that, right? That you would have turned around and headed and headed back to England. <laughs> you wouldn't have signed up in the first place, nerd. You can't even change your own oil, for Christ's sake. And you think you would have volunteered to sail into the abyss with no end in <laughs> Give me a break. Go back to Legends of Zelda and Pornhub, Gary. Tell you what, man, some of you kids never got punched in the face when you were younger, and buddy, it shows. All right. Uh, and speaking of Pornhub, I don't know if you heard, but newsflash, the entire country is being run by pedophiles. Okay, that is not hyperbole anymore. And I'm not talking about the, the Epstein thing, which we obviously know is real. All right. I'm talking about the over three dozen elected officials, political activists, or mega-donors who were arrested and charged just this week with sex trafficking and or possession of child porn. Democrats and Republicans alike. All right, here's a quick rundown of some of the people involved. Okay, here we go. This is just this week. I'm just going to read off this list. Uh, Democratic Illinois State Rep Keith Farnham has resigned and was charged with possession of child pornography and has been accused of bragging in an online site about sexually molesting a six-year-old girl, okay? Democratic spokesperson for the Arkansas Democratic Party, Harold Moody Jr., was charged with distribution and possession of child porn, okay? Um, let's see, let's see, get down to some of the mayors here. Uh, Democratic former mayor of Stillwater, New York, Rick Nelson, pled, pled guilty to five counts of possession of child porn of children less than 16 years of age, okay? Former Democratic mayor of Clayton, New York, Dale Kenyon, was indicted for sexual acts against a teenager. Uh, Democratic former mayor of Hubbard, Ohio, Richard Keenan, was given a life sentence in jail for raping a four-year-old girl. This is a former mayor. This is not some normal guy walking the street who happens to be a Democrat. This is the former mayor. Okay, here we go. Democratic former mayor of Winston, Oregon, Keith Barrett, was arrested for setting up a meeting to have sex with a 14-year-old girl who turned out to be a police officer. Next, Democratic former mayor of Randolph, Nebraska, Dwayne Schutt, was arrested and charged with four counts of felony third-degree assault, sexual assault, of a child and one count of intentional child abuse. Next mayor, Democratic former mayor of Dawson, Georgia, Christopher Wright, was indicted on charges of aggravated child molestation, aggravated sodomy, rape, child molestation, and statutory rape of an 11-year-old boy and a 12-year-old girl. Okay, Democratic former mayor of Stockton, California, Anthony Silva, was charged with providing alcohol to young adults during a game of, stri of strip poker that included a 16-year-old boy at a camp for underprivileged children run by the mayor himself. 
I mean, guys, th- th- these are not just random. These are higher ups in the party. And it's not just Democrats. Let me scroll down to some of the re- Republicans. All right. Let's see. Um, Republican judge Mark Pazahanich pleaded no contest to fondling a 10-year-old girl and was sentenced to 10 years probation. Okay. Uh, Republican state Senator Ralph Shorty was indicted on four counts of human trafficking and child porn. In November 2017, he pleaded guilty to one count of child, well, just one this time. This time he got on four, but before it was only one. Come on, guys. Stop being so rough on the guy. Only one count of child sex trafficking. He, he pled guilty in exchange for dropping all the other charges. Okay. Uh, here we go. Republican Tim Nolan, chairman of Donald Trump's presidential campaign in Kentucky, pled guilty to child sex trafficking. <laughs> this is... <laughs> This is unbelievable. And then, how can we forget Ed Buck, billionaire mega donor for the Clinton campaign and the rest of the DNC, who just got charged on four counts of sex trafficking and underage prostitution? All right, this is the guy, Ed Buck. I'm sure you didn't see it because he's a left wing donor and he's not connected with Donald Trump. So the media, of course, does their very best to sweep that under the rug, but that's for another day. Uh, but two years ago, Ed Buck had his third. Count them, one, two, three, third occurrence of a gay black guy being found dead in his damn basement. You're going to think I'm making this up. Please, I implore you, go look this up. Ed Buck is a damn serial killer, and he's one of the largest backers the DNC has. Okay? Listen, you got one dead gay guy in your basement. Come on. Who doesn't have a crazy story from college that they're not proud of, right? I mean, don't throw stones if you live in a glass house. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you were young once too, right? But two dead gay guys in your basement and, listen, buddy, I start asking some pretty serious questions. I mean, Ed, what, what, what do we got? What do we, you, you got two dead gay guys OD'd on meth in your basement three weeks apart you, you got a torture rack popping up in your Amazon cart. What am I missing here, bud? Help me out. I, I, I'm just trying to put two and two together here, right? Maybe you ought to stay off grinder past 9 p.m. I mean, set yourself for some limits for Christ's sake, all right? But, but three? Three dead gay guys in your basement on three different dates? Buddy, come on. I mean, how about investing in a wood chipper or, or, or an industrial-sized acid bath or something, man? I mean, you got to start cleaning up some evidence here. Give yourself a chance. But no, never charged with any of them. Accidental overdoses, they called them. Three dead gay guys in one guy's basement. Unbelievable. So, I mean, God only knows who else is involved, man. Alex Jones told us 20 years ago that the entire world was being run by pedophiles and sociopaths. All right? And we all called him crazy. But this is another reason that we have to be absolutely ruthless when critiquing elected officials and digging through the personal life. Right? Political office attracts some very genuine, altruistic people. But the power and the notoriety and the status that come with political office also attracts an alarming number of sociopaths. And how could it not? I mean, you see these people on TV talking to you like you're seven years old, right? I am for Americans of all shapes and colors, and I will fight for what is right. Like, dog, can you cut the damn voice? Like, Jesus Christ, let, let, let's have a conversation here. I'm, a, I'm right in front of you. I'm a real person. I'm a human being, right? And that's a huge reason, whether you like it or not, 
why Donald Trump gained such a massive support during his campaign. Okay, because people were fed up with the system from both sides. Yes, he has got some horrific qualities about him, right? But everyone on both sides knows about those. Okay, what, where, where the confusion lies, the lefties seem to be confused as to how anyone could possibly vote for this guy over Hillary Clinton, right? The greatest force for good the world has ever seen, right? And, and so people saw an outsider who politicians hated, right? A businessman who has thousands of employees all over the world against potentially the most powerful political force ever created, the Clintons, right? And then he starts talking about bringing back manufacturing jobs, cutting corporate taxes, becoming less reliant on the Middle East for oil, okay? Which, by the way, the U.S. is now the number one exporter of oil in the entire world. And then finally dealing with this tidal wave of, of illegal immigrants coming across the Mexican border every day, right? And listen, all right, there are absolutely some racists out there, quite a few of them, who want to build a wall because they don't like Mexicans, right? No argument here on that. But let's be very, very clear about something. Mexico is just about the dictionary definition of a failed state. I mean, prime example, they arrested El Chapo's son a couple years ago, he's the biggest cartel leader down there since Pablo Chacon, on legitimate charges. They had him in prison. And the damn cartel starts revolting and shooting up the capital. So what they do, they handed him over. Here we surrender, take him back. Okay, they cannot defend themselves against the cartels. They are the definition of a failed state, All right? So it is not rude to say, hey man, might be a good idea if we get some documentation on these people, right? Because if you're right that these people are fleeing some of the most, some of the worst violence in the world, which they are, then wouldn't it be possible for quite a few of those violent criminals to sneak in amongst the sheep, okay? Especially if they know that if they show up with a kid, you're going to say, Anybody with a kid gets in free, okay? There's reasonable people on both sides, but just claiming that anyone who supports the building of a wall and actually protecting our border is a racist is just silly, okay? Try mixing in a little nuance every now and then, simpleton, all right? And so this year, in my opinion, I think that was one of the biggest issues, not the biggest issue, but that was one of the biggest issues in 2016. This year, in my opinion, I think the biggest issue for swing voters, especially those with young children, is going to be where these candidates stand on defunding the police. Okay, Trump is, is clearly opposed, which means that Biden is going to do what the Democrats have done for four years now, which is take the total opposite end of the spectrum of Trump, no matter what the issue is, instead of slightly to the left of him and gaining a little traction among the middle, right? Because I'm telling you what, man, I'm all for reigning in the power of law enforcement and, and ending the things that I spoke about earlier, right? But the number of soccer moms out there who will look you in the eye and tell you that they will never vote for that animal, Donald Trump, and then watch the number of those people that will then watch the madness going on all over the country in these anti-police cities, the number of those women and dads who will end up quietly voting for Trump will be insurmountable, in my opinion. And who can blame them? I mean, Jesus Christ, look at Minneapolis right now. How's it going up there after voting to completely abolish the police department? Right, less than a month later, and the crime rate jumped so high that they just had to send out a letter to their residents last week with robbery prevention tips. They sent it out to everyone in the jurisdiction. A little how-to pamphlet for safely getting robbed. 
I mean, one of them said, you guys ought to go read this stuff. One of them said to memorize your car's license plate so that just in case your car gets stolen, you can help expedite its recovery. Okay? Another one said to just expect giving up your wallet and your phone. Just expect it. Just hand it right over. This is the local government telling its citizens explicitly, we cannot protect you. You are on your own. So go ahead, abolish your police. But remember, you made this bed. Now you got to lie in it. All right? So that's all I got, folks. It has been a fun run these last few months. And I truly do plan on getting back into swing, into the swing of things after school. But, um, you know, until then, I hope that I've made you think about some important issues in a different way. Right? I hope that I've made you a bit more skeptical of power structures and anyone trying to advance their own career. And I hope that I've helped you realize that limiting government is the recipe for freedom and that you, you listening right now, you are capable of thinking for your damn self. Okay, so stop letting other people think for you. Make up your own mind and never bend your knee to the mob. Okay, so until next time, thank you for tuning in to Necessary Evil, where people are sovereign, where all government measure is enforced by the point of gun, and where state power is in direct conflict with individual liberty. Thanks a lot.